one of the things I love most about this life is that there's no final goodbye. You know, I've met hundreds of people out here, and I don't ever say a final goodbye. I always just say, I'll, I'll see you down the road. And I do. And uh, whether it's a month or a year or sometimes years, I see them again. And I can look down the road and I can be certain in my heart that I'll see my son again. You'll see Bo again. Alright, cool. So, Rock and Roll, Santa Barbara. I'm in the sunroom. Sunroom. Hey, everybody. We're Matt and Bob. We're here to pod. My name is Matt. He's Bob. We're going to be talking about Nomadland, and you're listening to the Analysis. Bob, the boy who gave this movie not one chance, <laughs> Mr. Panalone. Yes, I can't decide whether to start with a van down by the river joke or a poop in a bucket joke. <laughs> hey, sometimes living in a van down by the river doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, hey, you know what? There's a lot of discoveries you can make down there. If they would have really taken some time to peel back that onion, Chris Farley, you might have found that you can meet some fine people out on the open road. So the Oscar race deepens in its complexity and intrigue. Nomadland enters the race uh, last weekend, uh, and then Minari... Uh, just this past weekend, another heavy mm-hmm. hitter, uh, especially for foreign language film category. But Bob, you already had this thing locked up. Promising young woman across the board. All right, I know you're flying high right now. <laughs> yes, I'm still very high on Promising Young Woman. Who knows what might happen in this Oscar race? Who cares what might happen in this Oscar race? But so Nomadland, this this is a good movie. Is this a game changer? Is this do you, well, is this now the front runner? Possibly. I think there's there's some really nice things happening in this movie. It is a slow march. It's it's actually surprising how much buzz it's getting because it reminds me a lot of two different movies. First was Into the Wild, which was uh, the, the McCandless movie that I, I actually really liked. I, yeah. I liked that movie so much. I, I bought the DVD back in the day. I bought the Emile book. Emile Hirsch. Emile Hirsch and... I really thought his career might take off after that, and not so much. But he did have a bit part in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But yeah, he's supposed to be a huge d bag, and like not oh, in real life, working with okay, you. that might uh, be that happens a lot in in Hollywood. But I I really like that movie, and it also reminded me a little bit of Wild, the movie with Reese Witherspoon. Yep, exactly. but this kind of your. Based on Especially, the same sort of a memoir sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, and you're looking at the someone that goes through intense grief or tragedy and then basically needing to unplug from society to go on a self-journey of discovery and then come out the other side stronger and obviously having at least come to some sort of resolution, personal resolution. So it reminded me a little bit of those movies. This one hits harder, I think. Especially now, yeah, and it, it. I think the the direction the direction especially mm-hmm. should be commended because you know it doesn't it doesn't really play for the politics of it really, but it focuses on just the the like the true America. I think this movie is being praised for really 
identifying and turning a mirror to like what middle America is actually like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the, like the, the place in between the Californias and the New York's, uh, Chicago's of the world. Like how is the middle of the country actually being lived and run? And, and this is, this is kind of, this is what the American dream is. There's a line in the movie about like where her sister goes, I think the nomads are great. They're, I mean, they're, they're almost like the, the modern day pioneers, like the early settlers. They're the ones out in the frontier just making it work. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this is what that means. You, you, you know, you got to sell all your possessions because the plant you worked at shut down and you're fucked. And yeah, you used to go work at Amazon for the holidays, but then you're like on the road working at burger joints and just living out of a van down by the river. Uh, Shitting in buckets. Yeah, mixing up your shit. Uh, this, I, I just think this is, I mean, uh, the, the book says it all right here. I mean, surviving America in the 21st century. And mm-hmm. it's like this is what we this is what we succumb to. I mean, billionaires are growing their wealth every single day, uh, whereas the rest of America, who would like work every day of their lives, get a pension, and you know, to stay in the same spot forever, they're now forced to be nomadic. And this is kind mm-hmm. of like it's it can be depressing, but in the same way, freeing for some people. I mean, this movie isn't for everybody, but I think it has no, a lot of. No, it's a slow audience. march. It's a slow march. I think exactly. it has a lot of different audiences where it's not like one generation. It's like just people that are stuck of staying inside for a quarantine or stuck in a, you know, being or sick and tired of being stuck in a dead end job. And just like, I want to like go see the yeah. country and uh, be driving my van up uh, Route 1 in California and go see Yosemite and Sequoia and then go see a buddy on a farm and be like, ah, maybe this isn't for me. And and just just constantly moving and maybe i think the point of the movie is that like for some people they just can't stay still because they're chasing demons or mm-hmm. i mean all that's pretty obvious but it's, for some people it's romantic i mean there you know she runs into that young kid and she quotes shakespeare at him for some reason but um it, for the young and the old i think this lifestyle is appealing there's there's a lot of moments that I really like because it's almost shot documentary style. Yeah, and yes. a lot of the scenes feel very improvisational. I don't know how much is improvised, but you really and I think Fern, the Frances McDormand character, is is very complex because she so clearly loves these moments with the nomads and she mm-hmm. loves being a nomad, but yet the lifestyle reserves her to a lot of just intense loneliness. So you see these like bursts of joy in these conversations where she's like talking about her China or she's explaining how her van upgrades are going. And then you also get these like really kind of sad moments of her in a parking lot, like trying not to freeze to death. And so you you just kind of like see how that lifestyle kind of plays for her, but against her. But you're right. I love the scene when there she she goes to the learn how to be a nomad with Bob, the Santa Claus guy. And they're all sitting around the fire talking about how they've chosen this lifestyle or gotten to this lifestyle. And one of the women tells a story about her neighbor who worked until retirement and then bought this boat. And then before he could ever take the boat out, died. Yeah. And right before he died, he said, enjoy your life. Like see, see the world. Don't let your boat, don't die with your boat in the driveway. And yeah. she, so she says, my boat's out here. And like, this is me doing that, you know? And then you get swanky and, and, you know, she's kind of on, she's got this cancer and she's about to, obviously she's got six months to live. And she's like, I'd rather be around these swallows in, on this trip to the Pacific Northwest instead of dying in some hospital, you the, know. The, and, the swallows monologue was pretty special. 
I just want to go back a bit because what's so incredible about this movie is that like you talked about the improvisational nature of it and it, it kind of leans into documentary. A lot of these actors are not, they're not actors. They're, they're actual yeah. nomads that Chloe Zhao and her research team. I, so I think the, the biggest threat to the, the David Fincher's and the, uh, you know, the, the Chicago Sorkin's, Seven, yeah, Sorkin's yeah. of the world it's going to be Chloe Zhao because I think the direction of this, and um, I, I texted you, but you were fucking too busy swimming with your phone in your pants in Cancun. <laughs> uh, I think I might have to lock Speaking in. Speaking of being a nomad, <laughs> yeah, I the might exact have... opposite. Yeah, All inclusive resort in Cancun. Yeah, you, anyway. you and Ted Cruz uh, <laughs> getting cornrows together. I uh, I was like, I might have to lock in Francis McDormand just because I wanted to join you and, and have a horse in the race and best actress, if, if for nothing else. And then we've had the Golden Globe, so. Showed off that you're list. locked in though. I allowed you to lock that yeah. in, so you are locked now. I think I, I know you're you're you have an affection for this character, especially. Yeah, but well, because is she really the best part of the movie? Because she's she's kind of playing point guard, right? Or it's almost like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, where they just make everyone around them better, but they're not necessarily exceptional. I just think she's kind of a conduit for these first timers to tell their stories in in this film and i think she does an incredible job of like lifting up everyone around her and she she has her moments for sure and she i mean i but she doesn't have to carry it uh because there's so much interesting uh stories being told by people we we've never seen on a film before um i think that's what's so incredible about it where it does blend documentary and you know in researching this this movie you're able to find these the swankies and the you know Bob Santa Claus, and uh, and then put him into the film uh, as is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's really cool. And then the the scenes, and you're right in that the really gripping scenes are with those people when he's explaining the suicide of his son. And I love the "I'll see you down the road" yeah. instead of "goodbye." And that mantra that wrong. they have, where it's like I I always run into these people. To some degree, it might be a year, it might be several, but eventually I see them down the road and that's the way we live our life. And, you know, I'll see Swanky down the road one day and I'll see my son down the road one day. But it's these, you know, everyone gets to that place through some sort of, no one's necessarily like choosing that lifestyle, I would say, maybe a couple people. But, you know, a lot of times it's through grief, but those people sharing their stories it was was really impactful. And, and I think there is something to say about Frances McDormand's performance there and being able to to bridge that, I think, is I think that's something that's commendable. And I also think there's just a lot of moments where there's no dialogue, but you're just kind of living with her and reading her face or her mm-hmm. body language. And she expresses so much in that. And that's such a huge part of acting that people really take for granted sometimes is what an actor is able to portray off the line and i think she really gets a lot of that and you can really feel when her friend takes off and you know she's back to living a solitary lifestyle like you really feel that in her face uh, you really see her going through the decision making whether she's going to stay with her kind of new love interest and is she going to get domesticated again or not and i think a lot of those moments are really where the performance is exceptional in my opinion yeah are you nervous about your pick absolutely absolutely (laughs) i think she's she's awesome in this movie it's it's definitely my kind of movie honestly like these are these are the the indie the the humanitarian domestic dramas that 
I really am drawn to. A beautiful film, an odyssey in a way, but not bombastic. It's it's not it's not really like a moonlight, but it, it's just like a nice, just a good hang. It's like yeah. it's a beautifully shot. It's kind of chill. It makes you think maybe it's a little bit of a downer, but there's some yeah. comedy and it, there's some hope. There's hopefulness in it. It's like man, yeah. The the financial crisis of two thousand eight fucked us, and this is what America really is. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not so. But also there's 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 people living so many different lives. There's you know oh, just these old dudes flipping burgers uh, from town to town and like making it work. Yeah, uh, and they, and they get enjoyment out of that. They, they like to be on the road. I really like that it doesn't go super political, though. There's one moment where she's at her sister's. She's getting money to repair the mm-hmm. van. And her some sort of relatives are talking about their successes. And she kind of gets into them about profiting off the housing market. And you could kind of see it's like starting to slip into that conversation and they're like oh that's not really what we're doing and we can't all just pack up our stuff and and that's goes back to the line you were saying about the the modern pioneers but you know there's obviously there's something being said about people that are living in some sort of excess off of you know screwing people in the housing market and the corporate bailouts and things and who got the bailout and who didn't in america that's that's about as political as it gets but it's not super heavy-handed I really think it becomes a story about and and you know her going back to empire and it really becomes about her getting a resolution or living outside of those memories. She says to Bob she says maybe I've spent too much time just remembering. And I really think her going back is an opportunity to give mm-hmm. herself a chance to lay those memories to rest in a way and then move forward. Oh 100%. Yeah, she's she's laying those memories down and she's she's putting she's she's getting peace with those. But then now I can move forward in my life, creating new memories. And I think that's that's what is happening there at the end of the movie. But it really is a character study. It almost it almost gets lost, like how in love she was with her life and her Mm -hmm. husband, where it's like because she's kind of doesn't really let anyone into that. And you kind of get little bits of it. But then it's like this woman is really having a hard time letting go of her husband that died. And like, okay, yeah, the plant closed, but she's like, I actually love living in empire and it's in the middle of nowhere, yeah. Nevada or whatever it was. And yeah, we were just working in a fucking plant that produces something that no one wants anymore, but it was a great life. And, and people were like, Oh, I can't imagine just like working in a, yeah, fucking, her sister can't. Uh, yeah. She's like, how did you yeah. end up there? But really her sister, that conversation with her sister is so telling because she's saying, you were always this restless spirit that people didn't understand. And basically, when you got married, that grounded you. You know, She moved to Empire with her husband, and she was willing to give up her restless spirit for the love of her husband and the time with her husband. And she loved her husband yeah. loved how he was in that community and the importance he had in his role at that company. And once he died and once that, that place died... She still hung on to that because, like you said, she was living in a lot of grief. And but but then her restless spirit was freed again, and that's why that's where you get the the nomad nature. Yeah. So so she's tempted twice. Well, re- I mean, so at her sister's, she's get some she gets some cash. She she experiences comfort of family and home, but more so with the David Stratham mm-hmm. character, who was a really solid like deep, you know, uh, number two. Absolutely. Perfect character uh, for when, him. When, when, just like quiet yeah, soul, right? just like gentleman, 
also has a little bit of a like, trauma past, you know. Oh yeah, just just a really like a quiet confidence in the role. Uh, it just like a really understated, genuine. Uh, yeah, he was great, and I was like, man, like I can't remember. I don't know that I've really remember this guy since Good Night and Good Luck, where he crushed. And then I, I think he he was doing he was doing some show for a while, but I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so so then she's she has this great drive through California. You can tell she's going up the coast, uh, and she's in Monterey, and there's like some beautiful shots. She's going, you know, going through the trees in, in Sequoia, which is all stuff I've done, and I'm the reason I'm still out here is for that. And then I, I don't know where that house is, but the, his family is like living in this gorgeous farm. It, it seems like almost like idyllic. For, it's almost the best of both mm-hmm. worlds for her, where she's on the coast, but she's kind of in nature. She's on this farm. She's got this, you know, really good community. But she tosses that yeah. away too, because. I think she has to kind of put her past behind. She's not ready her. for so, that I mean, yet. The la- yeah. So the last shot of the movie, after she's kind of cleared out her her storage unit and she's said goodbye to her old house, and I think kind of you know cleanses the demons or whatever, and she walks out the back door and then she gets in her van, and that's the end of the movie, and it's like see you down the road. Do you, th- do you have any idea? Do you think she's going back to the the David Strathen guy? Do you think she's just like on to the next? Where, where did you see that? I going? think she's going to still burn some of that restless desire off that she has. I think she's going back to nomad life for a while. I don't think the door is closed necessarily going back to the farm and the family, but I think just personally, just with the the nature of the movie where it was going, I still think she has some unresolved uh, voyaging to do. That's my personal. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I see her becoming the next swanky really just kind of like, ushering souls yeah. through almost like the river the, through the river sticks she really river, seemed right? to like that the demonstration and the she, i could see her yeah talking about the buckets in the future or doing cooking yeah. the the peppers for the guiding young youths that exactly. are just kind of hitching a ride i i don't think she goes back to that house also just because that her character could not accept the gift of a, a guest room Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I think she's so proud and she's like, I like to work. I, you know, put me to work. And I think she would have to, there's no way she's accepting that handout mm-hmm. um, as maybe gratifying as it was for her. And she didn't want to admit it. It's like, yeah, I could see living here. Maybe she had to come. But I, I think she's got to make her own way. And I, I, I don't know how long that lasts for that character, but I, I, I just see her as like the next swanky doing that forever. Yeah, and I think that's also, like you said, there's hope in that because it truly does bring her happiness. And think of all the shit she's going to get to see and experience in that space. Mm-hmm. And we don't all need to just have a 401k and you know go to all-inclusives <laughs> for the rest of our life. If that's your <laughs> thing, if that's, you know, don't yuck someone's yum, right? If that's, if that's your thing, then I think that could be a really adventurous and fulfilling back half of her life or back quarter of her life there. Yeah, and she's also she's also just getting started. I mean, she's kind of a novice, right? She's only been doing this for about a year that we see in the movie. Um, Swanky brings her in because she they work together at Amazon. She's kind of new to the van life game. And, and also what's funny is that, like, you know, hashtag van life is there. It's like the, the Jess wanderings uh, or ever-changing <laughs> horizons of the Instagram world. Where it's Wait, like, hold it's on. So be- if, if you had to name your van, because everyone names their van, apparently. She names her van Vanguard. If you had to name your van, what would you name your van? Or maybe I'll let <laughs> you th- come up with an answer before the end of the show. Well, what's yours? 
I was thinking about it when I was watching the movie. I don't know if anyone else had this experience where you're like, if I had to name my van, I like the fact that hers is a van pun. So I would go with something like Vancouver or <laughs> <laughs> or Van Helsing and have a painting of, of Hugh Jackman on the side. Just like this really bad movie from 2007. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> or 2005. But, uh, what, what's the name of her van? I don't even remember. Vanguard. Oh, Vanguard, yeah. That's I why just, I thought it was uh, funny to have like a van pun. Um, well, one of my earliest, uh, my dad had this club wagon chateau that he gave me as like my first vehicle because he, he also had like a Lincoln town car that I, I crashed. Of course. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like the idea of a, of a, just, just the chateau. Oh, just, yeah. Just, just go, going back to my roots and getting a, getting a club wagon, just calling it the chateau. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. You know what it the reminds me of Van Life uh, a little bit of one of our our favorite documentaries from a couple years ago, but Alex Honnold and how he would always yes. live out of the vans in you know the national park or whatever, and it was yeah, just seems so like, weird. But now it's a movement. It it's a different. It's it's the opposite end of the spectrum. Whereas people that are they you know they have all this money from sponsorships and and, and they're not rich, but they don't really care about money. That's why they're living out of it. But it's the it's the the photographers of the world, really the Nat Geo photographers that are in these like uh, Mercedes Sprinters or or uh, triathletes that just have like a boatload of cash that are kind of doing it as a hobby, and the people that are doing it as a way of living because they can't afford a house. Yeah. So, but it's the the, the hashtag van life on Instagram, and then there's the nomadic society of people that are actually living this life. It's like shaking their fists, being like, "This isn't cute." It's, yeah, <laughs> this is something that is my way of life. I don't eat off a spatula because it's Instagrammable. It's because I don't need a fork if I can just save space in my van by eating off my spatula. Exactly. There is there is an interesting confluence of those two ideologies, though. I mean, that because I think that there, there's a group of people that kind of believe in both things. Where it's like, yes, this is Instagrammable, and I'm selling these photos and. This is how I'm able to fund this lifestyle. And then there's the people that were like kicked out of factories and are just doing it not to gain followers, but to just survive and kind of have an experience. Um, it's kind of it, that's what's so interesting about this book is that it, it 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 really locks in on a specific subset of a subculture that I wasn't totally aware of, apart from the Instagram fucking you know mm-hmm. pose, you know the people out there. Um. So this was just a really fascinating portrayal. I, I think it's a remarkable uh, achievement. I, I've already said it. I think Chloe Zhao is the star of this whole yeah. project. Especially um, some of the the shots. I think the cinematography, I'm close to locking in if, if I would have had this movie a little earlier. But some of the shots, like especially one where Fern gets a rock and it's got a hole in it. And then the perspective is her looking through the rock at this amazing landscape. And it's just like really creative, but also your you the structure of the movie lends itself to some amazing just nat geo almost footage that the character oh, yeah. is able to exist in, you know? So the, they just get the, some beautiful scenery. The Badlands stuff especially. Which is also the Badlands is a perfect kind of comp to the characters, right? Where it's like I, I haven't been there. It's but it's supposed to be gorgeous, and you can t- see in the movie. But it, you know, everyone goes to Yosemite, Sequoia, you know, the uh, Smoky Mountains. This is such a an under the radar, underappreciated but gorgeous space of land. 
and it's just it's so perfect that they chose to film there because it kind of it's it just represents perfectly the the characters and I yeah I it was just I, I really want to watch it again because it's beautiful to look at and and some people find it really depressing I know that yeah. my roommate did uh, Courtney but I because she's like I can't believe people would actually choose that lifestyle it makes me so depressed that like to, to shun family. Uh, she's also comes from a very close knit Jewish family, and uh, I get it. I you know it's you know to each their own. Like we said, it's not for everybody. But I I, I possess a lot of that nomadic spirit, where it's just, I just want to get out, get out, get on the road and see everything. Although I'm not fully committed to doing the band band life stuff, just because I I would have a hard time downsizing to that degree. Um, it just I just love how that mm-hmm. movie kind of makes you reckon with what's important to you, and especially yeah. now like. You really have to take stock and like, the, we're we're in a fucking crisis here, and it's like, what, what's some, are the Golden Globes really important to you? Fucking no, like like get out and see some stuff. Well, and that's I think that's the spirit. There's a lot of themes that are playing in this movie, and I understand that that might make someone that's not thinking of that lifestyle, that might make them feel uneasy or even saddened. I think to people who have quit their jobs and gone backpacking through South America or Europe or like someone like you who just seeks adventure and wants to see and experience as much as possible. You know, that's, that's not everybody, but you also have to respect that. And I think, you know, for, for me, and I'll just be transparent and candid with you, you know, my dad had a really big scare with health recently. And one thing we've, we've talked about or reflected on is just, you know, the most valuable thing you have is time And when you get a scare like that, you know, you start to really treat your time as currency. And it's just what, you know, what can I experience with some of my time here, you know, that I might not have prioritized before. And my dad's all of a sudden said, I want to see the Grand Canyon. I want to, I've never been to Boston and I would really love to go to Boston. And we're starting to kind of like go, okay, yeah, let's, let's start to make a list here. And I think when I listen to those people at the campfire talking about how, how their mindset or spirit has changed and why they're out there. It makes sense to me. It makes total sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and you brought up the kind of the currency of time. I just want to mention this Ethan Hawke quote I saw the other day. That's pretty cool. I'm not sure what this was in reference to. I think it was, maybe he was describing his marriage, but he goes, she and I were giving each other the only thing we truly have to offer our time. We were going to give each other the living minutes of our life. Yeah. which is awesome. I mean, that's that's that's, that's the most just you gave can me get. goosebumps. That's, that's my boy. I love me some Ethan yeah. Hawke. He's the best, man. He's yeah, so great. that's it's so true. And just being present and and having experiences. At the end of the day, you know, don't die with your boat in the driveway, and be having experiences and adventures. And you know what what do you prioritize? And I think he, makes you think. He who, yeah, he who dies with the most toys is nevertheless dead. Yeah. <laughs> was that also Ethan Hawke or was that Andy Hayes? No, that was uh that was my buddy Mike Zanier's gamer tag. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Alright, so let's alright, so I know we had the Golden Globes and we're kinda done with we you know, you can't make pre bets or whatever, but what would you ideally lock in from this movie? Because for me it would be director and I'm I'm kind of shaky on Francis. But I, I think she can take the category. I think she's competing against herself. I think if she had never won before, I think she would be very close to a lock. I think she just won 
for three billboards and obviously early in her career for Fargo. So I think her going for a third is almost competing against yourself kind of category. Um, So it's kind of hard to say. Actress seems like it's going to be very competitive and wide open this year. I think for me, I would say director, I'm not going to lock it in because that's a huge ticket category. But I think she would, the direction in this movie is absolutely an achievement. I think cinematography to me feels very, very locky. And then screenplay, just because it actually seemed like somewhat of an easy movie to write because there's so many scenes. It's it's very scenic and a lot of the a lot of the dialogue felt improvisational. So I don't know if I'm necessarily going writing with this. If I were to lock in screenplay, I think I would I would go with the with what the Globes awarded. I, I would go Chicago Seven. Mm-hmm. I, I think Chicago Seven uh, that the the most. The biggest chance it has at winning is screenplay, and I think maybe director and maybe even best picture for Nomadland. If Nomadland doesn't take one of those two, I don't know what else would fill. Maybe Chicago Seven for best picture, Chloe Zhao for director. I, um, I don't think Mank's going to be a player. No. Uh, Promising young woman at this point, I I feel like it's going to be like a runner up on all these categories, um, or maybe even just. Kind of yeah. out the top five. We still don't really know. I mean, I think Promising Young Woman could potentially still... I'm hoping that it yields a, an Oscar for Best Actress. But, I think Chadwick for... Yeah, he's uh, locked Rainey. in. He's locked yeah. in. And I think uh, Daniel Kalalua for the um, Judas. Judas the Black Messiah. I think those yep. two are pretty... I think that's going to be clean up town. Best Actor, Best Supporting. I think that's locked in. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I, those should be the, for what I've seen so far, those should be the winners. So, yeah, we've already talked about that. I mean, it's uh, Riz Ahmed going up. I mean, he, providing some challenge, but just Chadwick Boseman, Monterey, yeah, yeah, lock that in. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, lock that in. Um, and then uh, what? Viola Davis, best supporting. I mean, that's going to be a yeah. tough to beat her in supporting. Yeah. Um, Good stuff, man. Uh, what else? So I I love the score. A friend of mine mentioned that she loved the score to this too. I was like, yeah, I should really give that a listen. It's not eligible because it's always it's all previously recorded. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, the temp tracks. It, Fucking Paul was yeah, out there with those, the temp tracks. Those temp tracks. Yeah, it was just I think, but it speaks to director, right? Where it's like, man, this song would be so beautiful. I wonder if I can get the rights and put it in here. And boom. I mean, it's it's a lot of the same guy's stuff. Yeah, uh, Ludovico <laughs> Inuati. I can't even pronounce that. But that, that's the guy that's uh, got a lot of the score here. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it's not eligible. But anyway. Previously mm. recorded music. Yeah, so. Oh, well. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's looking like it's not going to be eligible. So, But yeah, that, that like score and cinematography, I would have been hard to pass up on this movie. Um, but over, I think the, the sum is greater or the, you know, the... Greater than the sum mm-hmm. of its parts. Uh, the whole is greater than the so sum it, of its parts. Yeah, so it's tough to me to be like Francis, hands down. It's it's just like the whole thing is really, it's almost like the spotlight, right? It's just really well put mm-hmm. together. Um, so we kind of cu- curious to see how it plays out, but I, I I think this definitely jumps to the top of the yeah. queue. I think for this in Chicago Seven were standouts for me. Chicago Seven, obviously, the nostalgia aspect. I think a lot of people, a lot of the layman's 
are going to go see this movie because it's going to get a lot of awards hype and it's going to be sitting right there in Hulu and they're going to not get it though. I think a lot of people are going to be like, nothing happens. And because yeah. kind of that's the case, but you you got to do a little bit of digging or at least a little bit of emotional searching to get the full benefit of it. And so I think you'll get, you'll hear a lot of people around the water cooler saying, yeah, I didn't get it. It's getting a lot of buzz, but it's kind of just like this lady wandering around in a van pooping yeah, in a bucket. I mean, you got to put down your phones and have an emotional, you know, be available, receive mm-hmm. <laughs> some, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, exactly what Amy Poehler, the, the line was in the Golden Globes monologue. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't want to watch, a, I don't want to sit in front of a, my TV for two hours. I want to sit in front of my TV for one hour, five times in a row. I know. <laughs> the people are like, oh yeah, it was, it was just kind of dragged. It was kind of long. It was about, you know, two, two and a half hours. Um, didn't you watch like six hours straight of Parks and Rec? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Weren't you on your phone the entire time? <sighs> anyway. We'll never solve I can't, that. I can't with today's, uh, especially during the pandemic. It's like the art of movie, movie going is dying and, and pretty much dead. We're uh, here to save it, Hayes. Put your cape on, you fuck. Yeah, there you go. This could come down to, uh, this could be the ballot. Yeah, huge category huge. for us. This is a battleground states. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Carrie Mulligan. All right, cool. And then, uh, so you haven't seen Minari yet. I just watched that the other day. Uh, any any thoughts on the Golden Globes as a whole? I mean, I know you tried to watch it for ten minutes. I could give a fuck. Yeah, it was that was rough, man. I I just couldn't get into the the Zoom nature of it. I'm I'm on enough Zoom calls during my life yeah. that I just I, I I checked out. But looking at the lists, uh, very surprised at the Best Actress winner. A lot of the other stuff made sense. Yeah, that mo- you know? that movie, uh, The People versus Billy Hottie, is not even supposed to be good. Yeah, I I really don't think that'll be a player. We'll see. But she might not even get nominated. The same with a couple years. Was it last year? The the there's always the Globes old award actors or actresses, and they they're not even like part of the the Oscar season. So I think that might be more the case. Yeah, and I I'm actually I'm actually fully committed to no longer recognizing the Globes. I mean, I'm kind of I'm interested to see the list of winners at the end, just to give a get a sense of the the temperature in the room. But after meeting the Hollywood Forum Press Association at a at an event I worked uh, I worked at through my uh, restaurant, and how slovingly just awful they were as humans, I'm I'm completely done with giving a shit about their opinion. Uh, yeah. And hopefully more. It, it was you know the ratings cratered. Everyone's like, there's not enough representation and diversity. Blah blah blah. Just, can we be done with these? God, I, yeah. I I don't get it. It's such a small body of people. And they're they're gross. Ninety people. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous. The Golden Globes need to go away. I mean, when Ricky Gervais is up there, just like trashing people and having fun, that's fun for me, and I'll watch that. But I really don't care what these people want to award. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, there we go. So uh, this sets up a, a nice little. Uh, we, we we got a late entry front runner, possibly. Um, not not your uh, not a super Oscar-y movie in terms of. Uh, you know the 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 blockbuster hype of it or whatever or it's very indie yeah it's very very indie. indie but I think this is the year for an indie Oscars because all of the big stuff has been held back um, so I think uh, uh, this is the perfect year for a movie like Nomadland to really take some and and maybe it will and but again I, I ideally I would like to see a lot of things spread out I, I'd like to see a different best picture uh, and best director I think there's room for that. And then I think we're going to get a lot of diversity in the actor categories. 
um, I think it, I think it could be a good representation of what was good this year. That's great. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Anyway, all right, man. Thanks. Uh, good to chat with you. And uh, nice chatting with you. Good to see you, everyone. Crow. Yeah, I'll eat a little crow maybe. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Please like and subscribe. That means a lot to us when everyone likes and subscribes and treat each other with respect. Yeah, that, 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 that especially. Yeah. All right, everyone. Bye. Bye. See you down the road. Let's go out with some blood.